Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Now it's the man with the plan. This is our pastor, my husband, Aaron. What up? What up, church on the lawn? How you doing? This is awesome. So fun. Man, what a powerful church service, huh? Who would have thunk you take God outside the walls of a building and you still have church? Yep. So, hey, we were putting up the tents yesterday, and I can't help but to share this prophetic word that uh, God was giving me during worship. And uh, we took a couple tents to get repaired. We left one out during VBS, so it got shredded. And uh, so, so anyway, we were, we were putting them up, and we realized that one of the tents that we took to get repaired still had holes in it, and it didn't really get repaired. Then we, other, we realized that the other one, it had the ropes replaced, and the ropes didn't have the locking slides put back on them. So, so here's, here's, here's the deal. In Isaiah 54.2, it says this. Here's the other thing. Last year, we only had one tent set up. We now have two, and we see that we need to have the need for it. It says this, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Listen, here's the deal. We, we got our cords back to where they couldn't be tightened. They couldn't be shortened. I believe we're coming into a season, transitioning from summer all the way to autumn here. We're in this middle right here, right now. We're getting ready to transition to autumn in just a couple weeks. And here's the deal. I believe he's enlarging our tents. He's enlarging our tent spaces. He's enlarging. He's given dominion over the land. There's something about this service today that's impactful, that's prophetic, that's, that's a declaration saying bring heaven to earth. Let heaven come to earth. Listen, there's enough chaos in the world. There's enough sin in the world. There's enough bad in the world. There's enough, you know, depression and all these things in the world. How about we bring Jesus to the world? We plant him in the ground. We let him enlarge the tent spaces, lengthen the cords, strengthen the stakes, and we grow the kingdom of God and bring heaven to earth. How many are into that? In your workplace, in your family, with your children, your grandchildren. I believe there's something prophetic today that we've doubled the tent size there's a hole in the tent still so that all of heaven can pour out like a flood into our services, into our lives, into our homes, into our finances. I don't think that was an accident. It may have been, you know, physically an accident. Spiritually, I don't think that was an accident. There's a hole. There's a container that God can pour into. And it's our heart. It's our lives. It's our home. It's us. It's the church. It's the bride of Christ. Listen, you may be coming from a different church today. You may be coming from a different congregation. But you're serving in the same bride you're worshiping as part of the same bride in unity, in one mind, in one accord here. We're here to bring Jesus to the earth. Look at your neighbor say, I'm here to bring Jesus to the earth. I'm here to bring goodness to the earth. Say that. Say that to your neighbor. I'm here to bring love to the earth. I'm here to bring power to the earth. Jesus is the solution. He's the answer. And it is time that we look beyond and putting a cap on God and letting God fit in our box, our limitations, and our thought processes. And it's time to enlarge our tent spaces. It's time to stretch out the stakes, stretch out the cords, and let's go big or go home, right? 
So we've been in this series called Summer Vibes, and um, this is the last week of Summer Vibes. I know everybody say boo. It's been fun. It's been awesome. Since we couldn't bring the inflatables out here to you, I brought my shirt out to you, all right? But it's Summer Vibes. It's week nine. It's the final week. We've had an amazing time. You can catch them on all of our social media platforms and podcasts and all that. And we went deep. We thought this was going to be just a fun theme of a summer, and uh, we'd go. we're going to do a... a, a a series this fall called His Presence Transforms Blank. So, but we thought this would be fun, and honestly, God took us deep. God took us to a place that was like, wow, this is amazing. The power of your Holy Spirit with the wind in our sails, right? The depth of worship and revelation, going into the bride and what the bride is, and, and, and so on and so forth. And we had a few others in there share some really great words. Today, I want to talk about week nine, the final week, the happiest place on earth. Are you with me? So we recently got back from Florida, and we surprised all of our kids for going to Disney. We're 20 minutes out from Disney World, and we're like, kids, put on these bracelets. We're like, when you're in Florida, you have to wear these bracelets. And they're putting them on. They're like, well, why is Mickey Mouse on them? Why do we have to wear these in Florida? You just do. And then one says, are we going to Disney? And we're like, yeah, we're going to Disney. And they're like, yeah, but Dad, you lied to us and said we weren't going to Disney. I repent, I'm sorry, but yes, we're going to Disney now. So here's a picture of me and my family at Disney. This is what the gang looked at like after waking up at 3 a.m., flying out of Indianapolis at 5 a.m., landing in Tampa at 8 a.m., driving to Orlando, checking into our resort at 10 a.m., and being at the park at our first Fast Pass by 10.50 a.m. This was us, slightly stretched, but there we are, castle and all behind. Now, Walt Disney founded this place, and it opened in October of 1971, October 1st, all right? And he wanted a euphoric fantasy land, a world within a world. He, had, he was a dreamer. He was a, a, a visionary. A, a imagine, he had a large imagination. And he wanted this happiest place on earth, and he would often call it this, the happiest place on earth. Now, let me show you a video about the truth of Disney. We made it to the happiest place on earth. It's 9 a.m. I got to schedule every minute of our day until 9 p.m. Pay attention and stay close. I just flew my family halfway across America to visit Disney and all my homeschool kids want to do is visit the Hall of Presidents. We need a map. $45 for bedazzled mouse ears, baby. You want these or you want to go to college? Absolutely not, absolutely not. It's 9.30 in the morning. It's too early to get wet. We're not waiting an hour and a half for impressions of France, okay? Eat a baguette and lose a world war. That's my impression of France. Let's go to Space Mountain. No, I'm not gonna push him in a stroller, okay? He's four. No, that's not right. The Splash Mountain is this way. No, you cannot have goofy-shaped chicken nuggets. Sit down. Your mother brought ham sandwiches. Oh, for heaven's sakes, pick up your garbage and throw it away. This isn't Six Flags. Listen, Rebecca, she's not coming out today, okay? That dream to meet Elsa, you better let it go. Oh, you want to go to a small world all by yourself, huh? Well, it's gonna turn into a pretty big world when you come outside and can't find your parents. Oh, great. Now my wife wants a photo with Gaston. Perfect. Well, hurry up. Make believe your feet aren't sore. This is Disney. Use your imagination. See these locks right here, kids? That's what happens when you disobey your parents. You know what I want to ride? A park bench in the shade. One, two, three, four, 
five. Where's Mackenzie? My goodness, I gotta fake a leg injury or something. I need one of those scooters. Honestly, how are there possibly so many strollers in here? We have been here for 10 hours. I mean, my love language is quality time, but not this much. A four hour wait for Toy Story? That line is to infinity and beyond. I feel like we're going the wrong direction. Well, is it air conditioned? If not, I don't wanna go. Informacion, no, it's in Portuguese. No wonder this map doesn't make any sense. If you don't get back here by the count of three, I will spank you into Tomorrowland. We made it to the happiest place. So, happiest place on earth or not? If you're below the age of 12 or uh, your last name happens to start with Abbott, it might be the happiest place on earth. But for everybody else, it is not the happiest place on earth. I remember watching a parade. I had Hadassah on my shoulders. Sweat is just dripping. Nicole's like, I think I need a Coke. She's not drank a Coke since last year. She's like, I think I'm going to pass out. It's so bad. And then you hear all this screaming and yelling and crying, and, and you're waiting in these lines, and you literally just pretty much want to kill each other. And then you realize you spent $1,000 just to be there for that one day. You're like, wow, that was terrible stewardship. It is not the happiest place on earth, or at least it should not be. Let me, let me just, just propose this to you. I believe the church, us, we, the bride, we, the church, we, the people, should be the happiest place on earth. Our hearts, our dwelling place, our temples should be the happiest place on earth. Not a fantasy land or a tomorrow land. It's a today land that's a reality when you have Christ living in you as the hope of glory. Let's go to Isaiah 61. This is a long, I'm going to read the whole chapter. I want to just talk about the happiest place on earth. Here we go. 61 verse 1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord. I'm going to read fast because I'm trying to do this in 20 minutes. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives, be released and prisoners be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair, In their righteousness they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. Foreigners will be your servants. They will feed your flocks and plow your fields and tend your vineyards. You will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. You will feed on the treasures of the nations and boast in their riches. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully reward my people for their suffering and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be recognized and honored among the nations. Everyone will realize that they are the people the Lord has blessed. I am overwhelmed with joy. In the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in the robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding, for a bride with her jewels. The sovereign Lord will show his justice to the nations of the world. Everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in the early spring with plants springing up everywhere. Now, does that start to sound like the happiest place on earth? Yeah, that's my promise. That's the, the Lord's covenant with us that we are. We, the people, we, you, the bride, the church, his dwelling place, his happy place is the happiest place on earth. Let me define happy for you. All right. Joy is simply defined as this happiness against all odds. Everybody say that happiness against all odds. 
happiness when things aren't going right. Happiness when things aren't going the way I think they should go. Happiness when I don't have the possession I want to have. Listen, joy is not centered on possessions. It's not centered on money. It's not based on what I have. It's not hollow. Joy is simply a choice. Joy is simply a, a, a perception. Joy is simply a mindset. Listen, I heard Joyce Meyer once say, joy is a choice. That's why in James 1, 2, it says, choose joy. No matter what comes your way, no matter what circumstances or trials you go through, James 1, 2 says, consider it all joy. He's saying, choose joy no matter what. Listen, things may come, but Pastor Ann, I don't have this. Pastor Ann, if you only knew this, if, you, if, if only this wouldn't have happened. Listen, it's still saying, choose joy. Joy is, is happiness against all odds. Joy is happiness no matter the circumstance, because joy is something I choose, because I look at it from a can-do perspective through Christ, rather than a can't-do perspective that the enemy's greater than my God. Let me move on here. So there's three points here. God is happy. I should be happy, and I should make others happy around me. You ready for that? So first, God is happy. Psalms 2.4 says this, He who sits in the heavenlies, or he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Listen, he who sits in heavens. Who's sitting in the heavens? The Lord, God, he's sitting in the heavens, and he says he's full of joy. He's laughing. Other, other scriptures begin to mention that, that he rejoices over you. He delights in you. In his presence is what? The fullness of joy. Here, here we go again. So, so Luke 2.10 says that. He says, but the angel reassured them. Do not be afraid, he said. Now this is Jesus coming into the earth. Jesus is coming to dwell in the earth, to die on a cross, be crucified for you and I, for the joy set before him. He came to seek and save that which was lost. And I'm here to tell you that I believe some happiness on our earth, some joy on earth has been lost. But it says this, he says, do not be afraid. He said, I bring you good news or glad tidings and great joy. I bring great joy to all people. Now, now here's the deal. Jesus came into the earth to be the joy, to be the good news. The gospel literally means the good news. So here we, we go back to he sits in the heavenlies. Now, now we've got to change our perspective because here's the deal. When we don't perceive Jesus as who he really is, it changes our revelation of him. And when our revelation of him is changed, our worship of him is changed. And then our outlook on the world and our outlook on people and our outlook on circumstances is changed. When we view Jesus as the old flannel Jesus, the flannel board Jesus. Let me do this right. That's the flannel board Jesus that we most of us grew up on. That most of us learned to know that Jesus was, was fearful. There's an awe of God that's a reverence of his beauty, a reverence of his power, a reverence of his might. And he is a judge, but it says he's loving and just. It's time we switch our perception of him and actually view him how he is in heaven. And he who sits in heavens laughs. He's a happy Jesus. He's not an angry God. He's not big butter Jesus. He's a happy Jesus. He's a happy God. Like, he's sitting in heaven just rejoicing over you, being glad for you, being proud of you, not being angry with you. But most of us in this, in this, in this grass right now, most of us grew up thinking, well, God was just waiting to bring down the gavel and, and actually judge us and send us to hell when all we did was sin. Listen, that's, that's not the truth. There is, there, and I want to I be very clear here. For the wages of sin is death, but Jesus came into this world to abolish them, to be your propitiation. He became your behalf. He became on your behalf so that you don't have to die in hell. 
But you actually get to live heaven here on earth and in eternity. John 10, 10 says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy everything. Your joy, your marriage, your finances, your health. The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give what? Life and life abundantly. God is happy. Next, you should be happy. How many believe that? Say, I'm happy. Say, I'm happier than I sometimes look. Say, I'm happier than I sometimes act. I've driven with some of you. I know. Listen, we don't have to carry the weight of the world. Jesus already did. We don't have to stress out about those finances. Jesus has got your best interest at heart. So much so that you have the greatest intercessor on this planet going on your behalf to the Father. Like he's already got your best interest at heart. He's already going before you. He already has proven his love for you based on what he did on the cross. You don't have to carry the weight of this world. You don't have to carry the wages that he did already, and he does and continues to do. He loves the world so much he died for it. He's going to take care of the world. We simply get to become his mouthpiece. We simply get to become his voice, his hands, his feet. And we get to partake in the serving of God and his people. He's the one that died for him. That in itself gives me a reason to rejoice. That in it of itself gives me a reason to live in peace, to live not in stress, but to live being blessed. Listen, say this. I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. If we're in the right kind of church right now, I might be getting shoes thrown at me. You can study that later. Christians mean little Christ. It means to follow Christ. And we just proved that Christ is happy. Therefore, we should be happy. Christ got baptized. We should be baptized. Right? Christ is an overcomer. We should be an overcomer. Why? Because it's he that lives in us is the hope of glory. What would life look like if we actually heeded to James 1-2? What would it look like if we, the church, we, the people representing Christ, were actually happy? We're actually, we're actually portraying a God that people would really want. Not hypocrisy, not judgment or condemnation, not hate, but literally we become the love of Christ. We become the, the portrayal of Christ because why? Because we've had such an experience, such an encounter with the real deal. We get to expose his real nature of who he really is. Go with me to Hebrews 1.8. But to the son he says... Your throne, in verse 9-2, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. But then it says this in verse 9, you love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anyone else. Imagine that. He has poured out the oil of gladness, the oil of joy on you more than anybody else. We're supposed to be the light, the city on the hill, the salt on the earth. Like, that's who we're supposed to be. We need to be happier. We need to be glad. We need to, like, like quick and mad at people in front of us not going fast enough. Bless them, Lord. Bless them with 10 more miles per hour. Bless them, Lord. Bless them, those who wronged me. Josh did an amazing message last week on forgiveness. It's hurting you more than anybody else. Let me go on here. Isaiah 61 that we read at the beginning is literally a prophecy of Hebrews 1, 8, and 9. All right, Proverbs 17 says this. It says, a merry heart is like a medicine. How many know that a merry heart is like a medicine? It does the body good. 
Proverbs 15 says that he who is, has a merry heart has a continual feast. Now, we're about to have a good feast here. All right? There are crock pots in there making that whole building smell delicious. There are salads in there and potato salads. And we've got 15 pizzas getting ready to come here. For those of you who are new or just forgot to bring food or you're just selfish and you didn't think of anybody else. Brett, did you bring food? I'm so proud of you. Brett's funny. I like to pick on Brett. Listen. Medicine, it says a merry heart is like a continual feast. You, never get to, you don't ever have to stop eating on it. You don't ever have to stop eating on being joyful, being happy. Helen Church is one of the most happiest people that I've ever met in my life. She had a tumor on, on, the, side of her, on the side of her chest, and she was happy. All of a sudden, she began to praise in, in church service a couple years ago, and the tumor just dissolved, just praising. She wasn't worried about it. She wasn't stressed out about it. It's because she has a merry heart no matter what her family goes through, no matter what death she's endured, no matter what it is. It's an outlook of joy. It's an outlook of trust in the Lord. It's an outlook of hope. It's an outlook of faith. Listen, that's, that's how we get to operate as children of God. Let me move on. The last point here. You should lead everyone around you into being happy. How many would believe that we owe the world an encounter with Jesus? If we've met Jesus and we've experienced the goodness of his love, the goodness of his power, like how, who he really is, the power of his spirit, we owe it to the people around us to lead them into an encounter with the Messiah. We owe it around us to, to lead people into an encounter with his spirit, with his presence, with his joy. The depth of his worship comes out when we actually have a revelation of his true nature. We owe it to these people. Six, Psalm 1611 says this. It says that you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Listen, we owe it to the people around us to lead them to a sovereign, good, beautiful, loving, powerful, healing, prayer-answering, victorious God. We owe it to the people around us. I'm going to ask Micah to come up here and get ready in the band. Acts 2, if you, if you remember that story... Everybody came together, and at the end of the verse, it talks, starts to talk about after they came together in one mind and one accord, and they came together in unity, they begin to talk about what, what that looked like, and it says they, they begin to be generous. They begin to see healings and signs and wonders, and the other thing that it says, one of the things that it says, they were filled with joy. Listen, when, when Jesus, in Luke 10, when Jesus sent out the 70, when they came back, it said they were filled with joy. Listen, they, they went out. They worked hard, and they came back. And it says this. It says that Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. He danced. They came back after working hard. They came back, and they were filled with joy. They came back ready for a party. Listen, it, it was a lot of work yesterday getting the tents up. It was a lot of work putting out all the chairs and, and ambient sound, and, and, and Josh and Ryan worked really hard building the stage and getting all this out here. But now we get to feast continually on the joy of God, and we get to come here and be filled with joy, ready for a party. Sometimes there's hard work in the kingdom. I love what Dallas Willard says. He's like, God is not, uh, he's opposed to effort. He's opposed to earning, but he's not opposed to effort. Listen, the Bible says you knock, the door's going to be open. You seek him, you're going to find him. There's nothing that he withholds for those who seek him is what the word says. 
There's this beautiful God in, in heaven. There's this beautiful God just still reigning in the earth. There's this beautiful God living in us as a spirit. There's this beautiful Jesus that came to pay a price for us. And he's wanting to reveal himself to everyone here and everyone around us through our week, through our nights, through our days, through our conversations on Facebook, through our conversations in the grocery line or at the restaurant. There's this beautiful God who wants to be exposed. He wants to be exploited with great exploits by what we're doing, how we're living, our hearts. And let me just, just tell you that these people, they came back after working hard and they were filled with joy. Let me read one last verse here. It says, so I recommend having fun. Ecclesiastes 8.15. That's a great beginning to a verse, isn't it? Ecclesiastes 8.15. It says this. It says, so I recommend having fun because there is nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. That way, they will experience some happiness along the way, all the hard work God gives them under the sun. Listen, God is not opposed to you having fun. God is not opposed to us having laughter in our church services. God is not opposed to us having joy in our life, even in the midst of storms or chaos or triumph. Listen, it, it's, it, it doesn't matter. I, I always say praise is, is telling, you know, just really thanking God for what he's doing. Worship is, is going deep and recognizing who he is. And I believe a lifestyle of joy, a lifestyle of love, a lifestyle of worship and praise should be the same no matter what's going on in our life. No matter what trials, no matter what circumstances, the Bible's telling us to choose joy through it. Let me tell you one thing you can do. It's, it's, not, it's not hard. The Bible talks about your mouth is a reflection of your heart. And I know this, when I'm full of the Spirit, when I'm full of Jesus, it usually looks a little bit more like this. When I'm not full of Jesus, it usually looks a little bit more like this. I have much angrier faces than that, I promise. I'm real. I have emotion. But here's the deal. I believe a smile is one of the simplest things you can expose somebody to the joy of Jesus. A smile is something that's actually a reflection of your heart. And, and a smile gives me the permission for everybody around me to get a hug. A smile is, is simply... An irrefutable, irresistible hug that no one can deny. Like, it's a little awkward for, like, non-huggers to go up and, like, like, do this side hug thing. She's my sister, so it's okay that she feels my sweaty back right now. Like, that, that's a little invasive at times. Sometimes just telling them how they should be or how they should act, that's invasive. But simply smiling, treating people with kindness and love, that... That's the good works of God coming out in us. In, in Ecclesiastes 8.15, it's, it's literally this thing that says, like, he's giving us permission to have fun. He's giving us this permission to enjoy drink and laughter and food that we're getting ready to do. And, and I just, if you could just stand with me wherever you are, whether you're really, really smart and you're in the shade, or, or you just love the sun and sunbathing and you're out here in the sun with me, just stand with me. I, I just want to ask Jesus into our hearts. I want to ask Jesus that we can be the light of Jesus, that we can be the joy of Jesus, that we can lead people into happiness, that we can have a revelation of how good God really is, how, how full of joy he really is, how full of love he really is. That's the nature of God. He's a good God. He's so in love with you. He's a good father. He says he's closer than a brother. He's, he's your best friend. He's the prince of peace in your life. He's, he's the king of peace in your life. He's your counselor. 
He's, he's, he's all these things, and, and, it's, and it's beautiful. And I believe that we need to see him for who he is. We, too, need to be happy like he is. And we need to lead others into that happiness. So, God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the joy of you. I thank you that the joy of you gives us strength. God, that you are our refuge. You are our source of joy. You are our source of hope, our source of faith, God. You are the answer to the, to the problems around this world. You are the answer to addiction. You are the answer to, to heroin, God. You are the answer, Jesus. You are the answer to poverty, God. You are the answer to divorce, God. You are the answer, Lord, to the, to the things that lead to death, God. You are the answer. You're so kind and you're so amazing and you're so full of love. Let the earth feel the love by the people that are in this place right now. Let the cities, let the communities, let Tip City feel your love by the joy that we exploit around us, by the goodness of God of you living inside us, God. We thank you, Jesus. Mike is going to just briefly share here and give an invitation to the greatest source of joy, the greatest key to joy on this planet. Wow, come on. That was such an amazing word. Can we give it up for Pastor Aaron? Such a powerful message. You know, the, the amazing thing is this message that you heard today, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the good news that produces great joy. In the Bible, it said that when, they, when the angels announced that Jesus would be born, they said that we bring you good news of great joy. And there's only one source of joy in this life. There's only one doorway to joy in this life, and his name is Jesus. Joy is a person, and his name is Jesus. And I want to tell you that there's an entry of, of joy and freedom that comes when you receive him as the Lord and Savior of your life. When you receive him and believe in him alone for freedom in your life, there is freedom, there is joy in the happiness that comes as we encounter him and follow him all the days of our life. In the Bible, it does say, I know that Aaron mentioned this, it does say that we've all been born into sin and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not a single person out on this field that hasn't sinned or made a mistake it's a reality that we were all born with that has actually caused deep sadness in the world and deep sadness in our hearts. And the Bible goes on to say that the wage of sin is death. And it doesn't mean that God wants to kill you, but sin will kill you. Sin produces a death in you. No matter how hard we try to enter into this joy that Pastor Aaron shared with us today, we will never be able to fully experience it. That's the death that this is talking about. But there is good news. There is good news, and it's that God became a man. He took on our humanity. He became one of us. He took on our flesh and blood. He lived as us and lived among us, and he lived this joy-filled life that countered everybody, shocked everybody. And when he was 33 years old, he was crucified on, his cro on the cross, and his hands were pierced. And his feet were pierced and he was whipped and marred beyond recognition for the joy set before him. And the joy set before him was you and it was me. The joy of entering into the joy of his salvation, the joy of our salvation. And he rose from the dead three days later. He rose to new life and he ascended and he is seated with the Father today. I am telling you, Jesus is alive. And I, some of you in this place, I feel like there's some people here where you have felt strangely touched 
by the presence of God. You felt strangely warmed or touched by the presence of God during worship, and you're experiencing something that you've never felt before. And with heads bowed, I want everybody to close their eyes in this place right now. With heads bowed, eyes closed, I want to ask you to enter into the joy of your salvation. That this is your day. This is your moment to come into the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord that is your strength. God has planned for your life. And I want you to raise your hand right now with eyes closed, heads bowed. If you're saying, I say yes to Jesus. I say yes to Jesus. I want you to lift your hand up really high so I can see. Come on. That's awesome. I see you guys right there. I'm so proud of you. Just, I feel like there's a few more. I feel like the Lord said there would be five people here today. There's somebody else. I see somebody in the back there. I, I see you, man. There's a couple others. Raise your hand. Come on. We're going to go into this song, but I want you to pray this with me, and then we're going to lift up a shout of joy to Jesus in this song. Let's all pray this together, okay? Pray this with me, and afterwards, I want to see you over at the Snow Cove tent right there with our saved eyes. We want to talk to you and connect with you. Pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I respond to you today. Right now, I receive you as the Lord and Savior of my life. Come and fill me with your presence. I receive that joy. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Let's give a shout to Jesus. Let's give a shout to the for, to celebration of these souls that just came to the Lord. Praise God. Alright, so we talked about the hard work after Jesus sent out the 70, it said they returned filled with joy. Alright, so, so there's a verse in Philippians 3.10 that says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Sometimes there's work, sometimes there's circumstances, sometimes there's trials. We're not saying that there's not. But then, when I go through that work, when I go to be sent, and when I go through these issues, all of a sudden, now I get to come back and be part of the, the, the participation. The, I get to join him in the power of his resurrection. Now listen, I, that means I get to come back, and when Jesus was dancing, when the 70 returned, I get to dance with him. So we're going to end this with just rejoicing, just for like 30 seconds to a minute, because it's so hot. All right, but we're going to just rejoice and participate in his resurrection. Are you with me? Let's do it. Yeah.
And if we have to order 40 more pizzas, we will, all right? So what we're going to do is we're going to form lines. We're going to blow up the jumpies. There's plenty of space. We've got easy up tents, more of them going out for shade. What you're going to do is for the food line, go out to the front doors of the building, come through, back through this room right here, and then you can come back out and sit. There's going to be two lines on either side of the tables. Fill up. Don't go home hungry in any way, spiritual, emotional, or physical. Don't go home hungry. But can we bless the food right now? All right, Jesus, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for family. We thank you that, that, that we get to come under one service today, under your, your beautiful sky, your beautiful weather, God. We thank you for sunshine this morning, and we thank you for all the hard work that went into this event. Let us build a unity and a bond of peace today through one church, your bride, in Jesus' name. Hey, 9 a.m., meet the 11 a.m., 11 a.m., meet the 9 a.m., so we do this once a year, and uh, what we want to do is we encourage you to sit at a table of somebody you don't know. Get to know somebody you don't know. You can meet with your family at other picnics, birthday parties, grill outs. This is the time to get to know your church family. So we encourage you, go out, network, and then in the following weeks, invite them to lunch. And if you could just help us carry orange chairs and the brown lawn chairs around the end of the tents, around the tables, that'd be awesome. Hey, we love you. Hang out, have some fun. Can't wait to meet some of you.